We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Look at me, I'm podcasting. That's right, it's uh, time for another installment, and uh, I am going to take a break this podcast from complaining about Avatar. Um, Don't worry, though, if you enjoy uh, my anti-Avatar yellings, uh, I think it will be back next podcast, but, you know, I did a a lot of it last one, so I want to take a break, you know, Uh, and I don't want this to be too negative, because I've been doing some, you know, stuff on the internet, and it's just, just chock full of negativity. It's just people calling each other idiots for liking the thing that they like, and, you know, and making dumb analogies that don't make any sense, because... They got a hair up their ass about whatever it is this thing is that they don't like. So next week, though, I got some more, but I'm, I'm going to save it. But instead, um, and, and also not in this podcast, uh, next podcast, uh, we will talk about our successful trip to New Zealand. I don't want to do it this one uh, because... Uh, it blends in really well with Avatar, so I want to just lump it all together in one. But also, I, I promised everybody, you know, last podcast that I would do the advice podcast this time, so I feel like I should be true to my word and uh, and do that. But, uh, oh, and speaking of advice, hey now, uh, have I got some stellar advice for you. So, first of all, uh, the one thing I will say about our trip to New Zealand is we took Air New Zealand. By all means, if you're going that way, Air New Zealand is fantastic. Um, the, 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 the airline I would say to avoid is United. If you have miles with United, the good news is, is Air New Zealand is part of the Star Alliance network. So their miles will transfer over to United's system, theoretically. I mean, that's what the lady, the nice lady with the New Zealand accents told me on the phone that that was the case. So let's just, uh, let's give them some time. Let's see if it works out. Trying to be positive. But the reason not to take United was what I have been told is that their big planes are older. And they're not going to, you know, revamp them. They're not going to modernize them. They're not going to do all that stuff. Uh, They're just going to fly them until they're no longer viable. And then they'll buy, you know, new Boeings, new Airbuses, you know, whatever they're going to fly. But Air New Zealand, oh, this is so fantastic. In the headrest... Uh, is a, a is the, the the viewing screen for your movies, your TV shows, your whatnot. But here's the killer, all on demand, right? So it's kind of like a if you've flown Virgin, same idea. It's um all on demand. They had about forty or fifty movies, some old, some new. So if there are no new movies that you want to see, but you you wouldn't mind seeing Die Hard one more time. By golly, you can do it. And if you're going to buy golly, you buy to buy gum. Because golly makes your breath taste weird. Uh, so buy gum. Get it. You know, freshens you up. Anyway, um, so what did I watch? Uh, see, here's the great thing. 
all on demand. So if you got, I got a half an hour into the informant and I was like, yeah, I, I heard that this American Life episode about this very same, uh, you know, based on a true story story. And I kind of liked that better. So I'm not going to watch this. I hadn't wasted that much time. I wasn't committed to anything. It was free. It was included with the insanely expensive plane ticket. Um, so I was like, okay, done. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. Oh, oh, and this is even for the really prepared traveler. They put all the movies, I mean, the, the directory of the movies online. So you know what you have to choose from. I walked onto that plane knowing what I wanted to see. It was fantastic. So I already had it uh, in my head about what I was, what I was going to watch. So what did I watch? Um, on the way out, apparently I had a theme going. Um, so on the way out, it was all action movies. So I watched uh, District 9. If you haven't seen it, uh, definitely, definitely worth a rental. It's, it is it um, is plot-wise very, very different than most of your sci-fi movies and involves uh, one of the best anti-heroes, like the hero that you would never expect would be a hero uh, in this movie. And you, you kind of don't like him very much either. So I don't want to say anything more than that. Uh, but go watch yourself some District 9. I also saw Zombieland. Uh, Zombieland, great movie. Not a lot of plot to it. I mean, you know, it's, it's people running away from zombies. You know, how tough can that be? Woody Harrelson. Uh, if you don't like yourself some Woody Harrelson... Okay, maybe not the movie for you, but I, I am ambivalent towards the Woodster. You know, either way, I didn't like him in White Man Can't Jump. I oh, know, actually, I liked him in that. I didn't like the movie, but okay. Uh, but uh, And I don't want to ruin it, but there is one really great uh, cameo in the movie that you may not have heard about yet. Uh, and, and one of the things I will tell you about the movie that makes it really fun is, uh, there's a guy in the movie, also kind of an anti-hero guy who looks kind of like me. He's the guy, he's the kid from, uh, Adventureland, which is, uh, a story about this kid who works at an amusement park. And that actor, uh, he's in Zombieland and he's kind of, it kind of feels like he's doing a Michael Sarah impression. Uh, I didn't see Adventureland yet. I'd really like to because I do like uh, uh, oh, uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live. They are both in it. So I'm big fans of them. So I should really see that. Not available on the flight, or I probably would have. Uh, and and I don't care. I'll go outside the theme. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not so married to the theme because I look. I watched the informant a little bit. I watched a little bit of that Michael Jackson movie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll go outside the theme. Whatever. If it's a good movie, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, but doing a little bit of a Michael Sarah impression, which I'm okay with. Look, if you wanted Michael Sarah and you can't get Michael Sarah, you know, I okay, sure, get that kid, make him do the impression. That's fine. Um, and so one of the things about the movie is. Uh, that guy, that actor, uh, he plays a character who sets up a bunch of rules for himself in terms of how to survive. And it's funny because he actually says, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not particularly great at anything. I'm not strong. I'm not fast. I'm not any of these things. The reason why I have survived is because I am paranoid about everything. And so he's got all these rules for survival uh, that are really clever and they're and they're they're, it's a it's one of the few like effects that they do in the movie is that the 
rule will kind of swing down like a sign whenever you see it happen throughout the rest of the movie to sort of like clue you back in on like, how is it this kid has, you know, stayed alive. It's a neat little device and, and a very enjoyable movie, although not a lot of plot to it. So, but that's fine. Hey, man, if you don't violate your own plot, hey, I'm cool with you. And finally, I saw Surrogates. Now, Surrogates, uh, Bruce Willis action movie. Bruce Willis is a cop. Okay, so if yeah, that, you know, again, if that's not your thing, just keep moving along. You know, we all can't like everything. Just move along. Stay positive, people. Come on, no need to hate. This is a movie. The more I think about it, the more I I like it. Um, it's definitely one of these movies where. I'm not really sure the movie is great, but when I think about the ideas that they're presenting, and here are the ideas that they're presenting. So imagine, so what happens is, is the actor who plays uh, the farmer from uh, Babe, that'll do pig, that guy, he also the guy who invented warp speed technology in the first, in in that Star Trek movie uh, where they had a first contact, that guy. He plays a guy who is wheelchair bound and uh, develops this technology, which is almost exactly like Avatar, where you uh, they build you a robot and then you project your mind into the robot. But the robot has, you know, sense of touch and, you know, you can smell and, and you do all of these things. And it feels like, you know, just as if you were human. Uh, but now, of course, you can walk again. And he really meant it as a tool for the disabled. So they could, you know, walk around and, and do all those things that everybody else does. But then, of course, everybody else was like, wait a minute. You mean that I can have all the same experiences that I normally do, except not have to worry about getting into car accidents? Because who cares? You know, my robot gets trashed, just chuck it and throw it away, buy myself another one. At least I'm not dead. Maybe I'm out several thousand dollars, but at least I'm not dead. And hey, maybe I can, you know, buy car insurance for my, for my surrogate as well. You know, and so everybody, everybody all over the world gets themselves surrogates. And, and to the point where, most people don't even leave the house anymore. Oh, and even better than that, they, they, <laughs> even forgetting the car accident part of it, they're like, wait a minute, I can get a surrogate that's a way, way, way more attractive version of me. That sounds awesome. I can, I can go into a bar and pick up chicks and then, um, you know, and then, and, and, and I'm amazing looking and I, you know, I don't have to have some sort of rap or anything and I can just cruise in and be like, Hey, baby, let's hook up. No, no fear of pregnancy, no fear of disease. Awesome. And then if, um, it, I, I think if you have a lot of money, you can buy superhero upgrades. Although I can't quite tell from the movie, they might limit those to just, uh, the police and the armed forces. But even that is like, awesome. Let's do that. No, you know, you know, it's no wonder that everybody in the world was like, screw this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, uh, you know, I'm gonna go get a surrogate. And it's really one of the really cool things in the movie that they do is, um, they they talk about how you can buy yourself a surrogate but you know if they they have all these different pricing structures so it's like well if you just want the basic model you know you can beam yourself into it you can you know have sense of sight sense of touch but that's it so you want other senses cost you more money you want you know this and that there are upgrades there are different things you can do um 
which is kind of a neat thing because then it's like, gosh, you know, it would be like all those people who spend all their money, like tricking out their cars, you would trick out your surrogate instead. And then there's this really cool uh, bit where they're fighting a surrogate war. And you go into this military installation and it's just rows and rows of these people in these beds. And, and you, you can see what they're doing on these TV screens. Um, and they go through like just, just rows of, of surrogates that aren't, aren't being used at the moment. They're just standing there. And what's really cool about it is the faces on them are not really very human looking. They look kind of like, uh, crash test dummies. And it's like, well, duh. Why, why do you need a human-looking face on it? It's just a military guy. You're not trying to pick up chicks with it. So you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't put a bunch of effort in making a nice face for this surrogate who's just going to get shot, uh, more likely than not. So, uh, and, and then that becomes like, because, you know, when your surrogate dies, you're fine. Uh, then, boy, then that really just comes down to fighting a war based on who has more money, right? Like, you know, nowadays it's like, well, we can do a lot of things remotely, but we still have a lot of people on the ground. But if you just have, you know, thousands upon thousands of inactive surrogates in a country and, you know, guys die off, you repair them with a new surrogate, boom, you're off again, then it's really like richest country wins because, you know, then at that point, we have unlimited resources to just, you know, mow you down. So, and then, of course, there's this big mystery involved in the in the thing, and there's all this other stuff. But boy, there's just there's just a ton of stuff in this movie that's like, wow, what what would society really be like if we had this technology, you know, like, what are the things you could do? And then it also sort of just raises the question overall of, do we really lose something by interacting with the robot versions? Because it's still like, it's still you. I mean, you are controlling it. You have emotions. You do all this stuff. But, you know, are you really losing something by having it be a robot version of you? Personally, I say no. No, I don't think you lose a damn thing. I think it's all blue sky from there. Now, it does suck if something happens to your surrogate and then you're like, well, shoot, man, I don't even want to go outside because I might get hit by a car or something. And yeek, you know, I've been I've been living this sweet ass life of just like, you know, carefree, right? Like you just do whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll be out some dough, but you know, whatever. So what? It's just money. I'll just, you know. So yeah, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Um, so, you know, if you like a good Bruce, Bruce willis action movie, do it. Surrogates. Give it a big thumbs up. Oh, one really cool thing about Air New Zealand is, um, ton of R-rated movies, right? Like Zombieland just could not be more R-rated with all the violence. And I think there was one movie I was watching that had a nude scene in it. Or I, I wasn't watching it, but I think somebody was watching. It's just like, I don't think you, you, I don't think your United Airlines or anybody like that would do that. I think they'd be like, eh, PG is about as racy as we're gonna get. But on the way home, I did the polar opposite. I did nothing but uh, animated kids' movies. My review of those are not as positive. I saw uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, which was okay. I, um, I saw Cars, which was 
maybe one of the weakest of the Pixar movies, and I really didn't like um, Finding Nemo. I found uh, the... I found the the dad character, uh, the Albert Brooks dad character. Um, uh, what's that thing that Woody Allen does? Just really, just annoying. Just sort of paranoid and freaked out by everything. It just it was not good. And, and I didn't like how stupid the Ellen DeGeneres character was. That just made me angry. It's like, oh, you know, uh, uh, lovely wife Miriam. She hates Mister Bean. The Rowan Atkinson, um, Mr. Bean, where he doesn't really say anything, but he just does stupid shit and falls down a lot and gets punched in the face and gets his tie caught in his zipper and all this. And she hates it because she just keeps screaming at the screen. Why are you being so stupid? Stop being so stupid. That's the way I felt like Ellen DeGeneres in Finding Nemo. It's like, oh, God, you have to be so dumb. Jeez. Um, anyway, so, um, so uh, I, I I didn't like Cars um, very much, uh, but there are some major, you know, sort of tug at your heartstrings kind of moments in that movie. So it's like, hey, man, they still got it. You know, they're still good. Um, but but the kids movie I really, really enjoyed was uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Terrible title. Terrible title. It's apparently it's based on a book, uh, but it turns out one of my friends says, well, the book isn't really anything like the movie, but I don't care, man. I love this movie. This movie, it's fun because uh, it it kind of goofs on the disaster genre a little bit. Um, just to let you know about the movie a little bit, uh, the, the main character, also kind of an anti-hero, uh, he... <laughs> he wants the best for his little town that he lives in. The The town used to be this big uh, fishing, uh, sardine fishing town until it was disclosed in uh, the newspapers, all the newspapers, apparently sardines are really, really gross. And there's this big headline. And of course, the paper spins at the screen. Sardines really, really gross. You know, and then, of course, the, the whole economy just falls apart in this town. So he just wants to make some invention that he can that that they can manufacture in this town that will get the town back on its feet. And so he just makes all of these things. Uh, that are just terrible. I mean, they're just the dumbest invention ever. My favorite of all the inventions is the um, the monkey translator because he's got this pet monkey and he thinks, oh, well, this will be great. I'll just get the, the monkey translator and then I'll know what the monkey is thinking. And then, you know, he puts it on the monkey and the monkey is just so dumb. He's just like food, 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 food. And then every once in a while he goes, gummy bears. But anyway, it's 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 and and they do a lot of funny things uh, that that goof on the disaster genre because uh, he does actually invent something um, uh, which, uh, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but he he does invent something that that that, that turns into a disaster, uh, and so then then of course the disaster genre movie really uh, picks up speed. So the 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 other funny thing about flying in in a big big plane like this is they have uh, not just two classes but they have three flying classes so what's funny is they have you know the video that tells you you know in case of emergency do this this and this but they also have to break it down by what class you're in right so it says um you know if you're in if you're in this class, you know, in steerage like us, you know, it's like do do all the standard junk. 
But then if you're in like first class, it, it's like, you know, put down your footrest, uh, do this, uh, you know, uh, you know, put your champagne away. You know, it's just all this ridiculous stuff, you know, stow your warmed hand towel. It's all this ridiculous stuff that, um, you don't have in steerage that you're just like, those, what the, oh my God, that's what, you know, buying a $10,000 plane ticket will buy you is all this stuff. Oh, by the way, the flight to New Zealand, 13 hours. Yeah, that's right. So that's how you have time to watch three movies and sleep. Um, and by the way, um, the, the jet lag, uh, I'm still talking about flying. I haven't talking to, talked to anything about the New Zealand trip. I'm just talking about the flying. So this still counts. Uh, is um, They're only three hours behind us. So the jet lag's really easy, I guess. I guess that's all I really had to say. But I, I, the reason why I wanted to talk about these movies and, and just give you a heads up is because, well, I wanted to keep it positive, but I also wanted to easily transition into uh, this week's topic of advice. Because really, the movie review is probably, well, was one of the most important of reviews, right? I mean, especially if you have kids and you want to go out to the movies, going out to the movies is really damn expensive, right? I mean, especially if you don't want to take the kids or even if you do want to take the kids. I mean, if you got, you know, two, three kids, they're going to nag you for snacks. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's easily a $50 adventure, whether you take the kids or you don't. Um, and, for that kind of dough, you really got to make sure that you're putting your money on the right horse. Now, I kind of feel like the job of movie reviewer has been watered down a bit by the internet, uh, you know, because you get song, you get sites like Rotten Tomatoes and uh, IMDb and where you get this community rating. And I know that there are movie studios who clearly doctor the ratings i mean you know you go on uh adam carolla's movie the hammer and it's got like you know 97 percent um approval rating from the users and the fans uh but you know the 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 what do they call them featured critics or whatever give it like you know, 75 or 70 or something like that. Still positive, still clearly in the fresh category. But, yeah, I mean, there's a big disparity between those two. Now, who knows? Maybe the only people who go to see that movie are Adam Carolla fans. But look, I know an Adam Carolla fan. He went to see it. He hated it. So, you know, there's just no way. There's no way that movie. And I haven't seen it. I saw the trailer and I thought the thing sucked. So I was like, well... Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Trailers are so easily accessible now, right? Like, uh, you know, you can go on Apple's website and they just they got a whole section of just nothing but movie trailers. So if you say, hey, maybe I'm interested in that, you click play, you watch it, and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this. Maybe I, you know, whereas the olden days, you, the only way to see another trailer was to go see a movie that had that trailer for the movie you were interested in. I mean, you basically had to luck out. I remember when we went to go see, uh, The Matrix. The Matrix was in the theater. And, you know, that was, 
that was, you know, in the infancy of the internet. It was, you know, nobody, nobody was doing video streaming at that point. I mean, dial-up was definitely more the uh, the rule than the exception. And uh, so nobody was doing video on the internet. There certainly were no trailers. So we're sitting there watching, getting ready to, to watch uh, The Matrix and um, the green uh, Lucas Arts or Lucas Films Limited uh, logo appears on the screen. And it was the trailer for uh, Star Wars Episode One. And this guy behind me says, Oh, I so deserve this. I mean, this dude was like, super excited for the trailer uh, for this movie. And, uh, you know, of course, the movie turned out to be a, a, a big pile of crap. But, um, oh, and speaking of which, um, there is a guy who did a really, really great analysis of uh, of the, the prequels, uh, episodes one, two, and three, and why they suck, which is, it's kind of an interesting idea. And especially if you're an aspiring film uh, screenwriter, definitely check it out because it really sort of shines a light on like, this is technically, you know, really nuts and bolts of like, this is why this, you know, Star Wars episode four is really great. And episode one is really terrible. And it's not just about, well, maybe you didn't like the story or maybe you didn't like this or that. I mean, it really breaks it down into like, you know, plot, characters you know it really dissects it and it's a seven part series you get it up on youtube and each part is uh 10 minutes so it winds up being 70 minutes and the guy the guy does kind of a gimmicky dumb guy voice which is a little annoying because it's sort of like i am an idiot and i thought the characters were stupid therefore if you don't think they're stupid then you you're even dumber than i am and so it's kind of like uh okay you know but whatever i mean that even that aside the guy makes a ton of really really great points and i'm only up to uh i'm only halfway through episode two i gotta start watching them again i was watching them before uh the vacation and now i just gotta get back into the swing again it really is amazing how just two weeks out of your regular routine, how much it throws you from what you normally do. I mean, uh, now that I'm unemployed, I do have a routine. You know, I get up, I do this, I have my bookmarked websites that I check in the morning while I'm eating breakfast. And at this time, I walk the dog and then I do this and then I go to the gym. And, and, and it's just, it's so crazy weird, like how even that, like people come back I remember when I was working, people would come back from vacation and they would just forget every single one of their passwords that they had and we would have to reset it again and do all this stuff or they'd get locked out. And and so, um, yeah, I mean, I never did that just because I just, I don't know, I, I guess I have an affinity for passwords, but it's just, you know, th- this other thing, I woke up, we had been back, I think two or three days already. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, where am I? Like, it was really dark in the room. I couldn't even remember where I was. And I was like, oh, right. No, we're home. Okay. It was a really strange um, feeling. You know, waking up and just not knowing where you are is is so weird. It's like, am I on the moon? Am I in? What country am I in? Whose house am I in? I don't know. Am I in somebody's house? I'm in a hotel. I don't know. I mean, just like, oh, my God. I can't even imagine, like, waking up and just being like, you know, that that seems like, 
a horror movie right there. And, and that, that plot device has been done to death, especially in video games where you wake up and, you know, you have to go and, you know, you've got amnesia and you have to go piece your life back together again. That just is, is horrifying. One of my favorite, um, Twilight Zone episodes of the new Twilight Zone um, was uh, Robert Klein, uh, the uh, the stand-up comedian uh, and uh, the dad to uh, Sandra Bullock in two weeks' notice. If you've seen that lovely Hugh Grant, Sandra Bullock rom-com, he plays the dad in that. And uh, Robert Klein, he, he plays a guy who uh, the English language is deteriorating, but it's 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 switching so all the words start changing their definition and so you know it starts off really slowly like all his coworkers are like hey i'm going to go grab a dinosaur you want to you want a dinosaur you want to come with me i'll get you i'll pick you up a dinosaur and bring you back and he's like what are you talking about you mean a sandwich and the, and the guy kind of gives him this weird look and he's like uh hey man i don't okay i'm just going to go to the dinosaur i'll see you later and then by the end of the episode um it's it's just completely obliterated. So, like, none of the words mean anything that they used to. And he sits down with one of his kids' books, and he opens it up, and it's got, like, you know, a picture of a cat, and it says Wednesday underneath it. And he's just like, ah. Uh. So he has to just relearn the language from scratch, which has got to be tougher than actually learning a new language, because you've got to forget everything that you thought you knew and just start over from nothing. So a lot of these uh, pieces of advice that I'm going to give you uh, this time around... Uh, come from uh, Miriam as well. She's usually uh, quite busy running marathons and 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 very social. So I I just felt like oh just tell them to me and I'll do it. And you know maybe if she wants to add something she can. Uh, and and maybe not in this episode, but you know in future episodes or whatever. But anyway, so that's so I'll I'll try to give her credit where I, I can. And 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 everybody else whose advice I have learned from. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just remembering something right now. I will try to give them credit. For instance, the funniest piece of advice uh, my dad ever gave me, um, I, I, uh, I, he, he, we were driving in the car together and uh, I had recently moved in uh, with Miriam and uh, I, oh, I, I, he was saying something about my mom and I was like, uh, why is she doing that exactly? And uh, he says to me, you don't stay married for 30 years asking why. I thought that was great. Uh, the, other, the other piece of advice, which uh, I think he taught me, which I mentioned in a previous podcast, but I'll, I will mention here, is uh, go big or go home, right? Like, if you're going to do it, just do it. Go balls out, man. Just go crazy with it. And, uh, and I've tried to live by that philosophy. One of the things that uh, uh, wife Miriam uh, and I keep calling her wife Miriam because I used to work with a Miriam. So I would say wife Miriam, work Miriam, just to keep them separate. So uh, wife Miriam, uh, she adopted, and I think one of her New Year's resolutions one year was say yes to adventure, which is, which, which, which is really great uh, because, you know, you can choose to sit at home and get sleep or do whatever or just be lazy. But Why? I mean, when you look back on it, whether it's going to be because you're lazy, because it's going to cost you money, uh, because you may not like it, what are you really losing, right? Like, you're spending some money, or you're forced to put on your pants, or whatever. I mean, what are you really losing? 
but you have everything to gain. You could be having the adventure that will shape you forever, right? And I'm not talking about doing crazy, dangerous things. I'm talking about a friend calls you up and says, hey, we're going to here. We're, we're going out to dinner. We're having a drink or whatever. Come on, let's go. Say yes to adventure. So I, I believe that all started because she read the book uh, Yes Man, which I couldn't get through, but she really liked it. So if you're looking for a book to read, hey, there's a piece of advice. Uh, yes Man. Uh, it, and by the way, the movie, we saw the movie starring Jim Carrey, not very good, has nothing to do with the book. Um, and, but the, 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 the greatest thing in that movie uh, was it was during the height of the gas price wars because of all the gas um, speculators that were driving up the price of gas. And you can see it was a shot in Los Angeles and you can see he, he pulls into a gas station, his cars run out of gas and it says uh, $5.23 or something like that and the price of gas. And I was just like, wow. And then, you know, quickly it went back down. But during those, you know, short window while they were filming that movie, it was crazy expensive. Networking. This is the best piece of advice I have for anybody in terms of anything. It's all about who you know. And more importantly, it's who knows you. No, wait, that's the same thing, isn't it? Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so much is done in this world by like, hey, I know so-and-so, I'll give him a call, you know, or I mean, oh, well, we need somebody who can do this. I've gotten every job I've ever gotten was we need somebody who can do this. Hey, I know Alan, let's call him up and see if he can do it. And I do it. Uh, and that's the other thing is obviously you gotta you gotta be dependable right like if everybody knows you as that guy who flakes out all the time no one's gonna call you but you know hey if you're the dependable guy network the hell out of yourself and i'm and i'll be honest i am not good at it um i mean i like talking to people but i'm not that guy who's like hey, I do this and this and then that and the other thing. And boy, you know, I'm really looking to uh, increase my freelancing network and blah, blah, blah. There are people who are really good at it. I'm just not one of them, but I highly recommend. And the best networking you can do for the kids, I'm saying this for the kids now, go to a college, especially if the college you are going to, um, like if you're going for some sort of entertainment Go to college in L.A. or New York because most of those people who are are where they go to college, a lot of the time is where they wind up living. And especially if you're going for a broadcasting or filmmaking or something, those people are going to stay in Los Angeles or they grew up in Los Angeles or they just know people. And, and that even so much as geography can get you places. Like I know people who grew up in Los Angeles, and they know tons of people in the industry already. I would say if you're a fetus right now and you're in the womb, you you tell your parents to move to Los Angeles right now so you can grow up around people who are in the industry. If you, if you, if you, you know, say to yourself, I want to be in show business. Now, mind you, I realize you're a fetus and you've got the whole life ahead of you. You might not have decided on a career path yet, you don't have a whole lot. You don't have forever to pick what job you want. You got to get on this. I don't care. I, I don't care if it's been six months. I don't care if it's been three months. I don't even care if you're worried about you're still in that window where you might get aborted. Look, 
We, you have to figure out what kind of job you want. You got to manage post haste. You got to get your parents networking. So you come out of that womb with a network. They got us. They got to set you up with a Facebook page. They got to set you up with a LinkedIn and they got to say, look, they got to post your sonogram and say, I am interested in this career. Get it done, fetus. We don't have all year. We don't have all, we don't have all nine months even because time has already ticked away. You, you've been wasting time sucking off the umbilical cord of your mom. You gotta, you gotta get going. Ah, another great thing that, uh, uh, wife Miriam has posted on her Facebook, uh, is do one new thing a month. Very doable. Now, this is great because it kind of forces you to do something new. But it also makes you feel like you've done something, right? Like, I bet you, even if you just plowed through your routine of your life, you would wind up doing one new thing a month anyway. Now, sometimes it might be harder to think of it than others. You know, certainly, you know, going to New Zealand is what we did in the month of January, and you can't stockpile them either. That's no fair. That's cheating. You got to do, I don't care if you do 20 new things in January, February, clean slate. And it's a short month. All right. Keep that in mind. You only got 28 days, mostly most years. So, you know, it's uh, time's ticking. So you got to do one new thing a month. And if you've, and if you're giving birth in February and you already have a kid, that's not a new thing. That does not count. I realize it's a momentous occasion having a kid. Uh, but you already had one and this is not, you know, just cause you named it something different does not qualify as doing a new thing. There you go. Now, if you're having anal sex for the first time, that would be a new thing. And look, if you're running out of new things to do, uh, shove a vibrator in your ass. You know, look, I, I'm just saying there's a free idea. Boom. Free for you. Just like this podcast. Free. Try a new podcast. That still counts. No, wait, should that count? Yeah, that, that counts. I, I understand, you know, ha- having a baby and picking a new podcast, they might seem similar, but they're really not. Better yet, here, do this new thing this month. Tell a friend about this podcast. Say, listen, I know this lunatic who likes to yell into a microphone in his uh, unemployed underpants. So subscribe and give them a good rating on iTunes. Why not? Hey, do a new thing. There you go. That's free from me to you check it off the list, and what, what are we, uh, three, four, five days into February now? I've already solved your February crisis. No need to worry, no need to sweat about your new thing for February. Done. And I'm spitting a lot. I'm getting fired up, and I'm spitting a lot. Go to a specialist. There are specialists around for a reason, because they know stuff other people don't. So, for instance, like I've had this uh, this medical thing, the skin thing for a while, and uh, I went to my doctor and uh, she said some things and it didn't help. And, uh, you know, finally she said, hey, maybe you should go to a dermatologist. I, I should have called that out job one. I should have said, you know what? I got this skin thing, dermatologist. Booyah. Right? Like it wasn't that that hard. And that's the other thing, too. Ask. Ask. Because you're not, you know, what is, uh, what is the old saying? If you don't ask, you don't get, right? Like I had this roommate named Jeremy and we went out to uh, dinner, uh, the group of us, and we all got the same thing. Uh, the, this uh, place, the Tennessee Grill, 
on uh, Tarabelle Street in San Francisco, right before, uh, just on the ocean side of, of, not the street ocean, the literal Pacific Ocean side of um, of uh, uh, 19th Avenue. It's, it's, I think it's still there. And on Thursday nights used to be um, uh, Thanksgiving, right? So turkey, stuffing, gravy, the whole nine yards. So we all got that, and then we were like, uh, and then Jeremy just kept talking about rice pudding, and he was just like, I think he just planted the seed in everybody's head, and we were like, yeah, rice pudding sounds awesome. Or maybe it came with the meal. I can't remember. So the woman comes in, and she says, okay, you know, what, you know, um, what do you want for dessert or something like that? And everybody said rice pudding. And then Jeremy said, I want rice pudding, but I want you to give me more than everybody else. It was an amazing move and it totally worked. Like he got easily 50% more than everybody else did. Big pilot. And, and Jeremy, of course, just ate like crazy. I mean, he was always working out, always eating, you know, and, and, uh, it was, it was, uh, he loved it. He just, he ate it all up. Here's a piece of advice. If something is not working, don't do it again. For instance, I I really hate the, uh, the the somebody says something and you say what like you couldn't hear them or something and they say it exactly the same way as they did the first time and you were like look it's not like I was doing a sudoku and I was distracted sudoku you say it in a way that I couldn't understand. I, whether it's, you know, you got uh, uh, half a filet of fish in your mouth or you're turning the other way or uh, you're at, or you mumbled. Do not. I mean, it's really insane how many people will do it exactly the same way. And, you know, and for whatever reason. And, and I know people who um, they will even turn their head away from you during the exact same moment in the sentence that they did before. Uh, and so don't do that, right? When somebody can't understand you, try it a different way. Unless your job really prevents you from doing it or you're just terrible at it, cook food for yourself, even if you live alone. It's, it's, it, it's going to be healthier. It's going to be cheaper. And you're going to have a ton of leftovers. And embrace the leftovers. Leftovers are awesome. Um, I, I will tell you, I have been thinking about this podcast for a while. Uh, and I, <laughs> I've been, th- I'll, I'll be, I'll uh, you give you a chance to peek behind the curtain a little bit here. Um, I do my best thinking in the shower. Because there's no other place. I mean, there's no, there's nothing else I can bring into the shower to distract me. You know, I'm, I don't have my iPod in there. I don't have music playing. I just, it's just me with my thoughts in the shower. And I probably should try to have more time where it's just me and my thoughts. So I could, you know, maybe think of better things for the podcast or other creative ventures I'm working on. But constantly, like I, I hate, I, I mean, really having an iPod has spoiled me in terms of just constantly filling my life with entertainment. And I know that sounds good, but it's sort of like, you know, it's like a crutch. You know, when I, when I don't have it and I'm standing in line somewhere, it drives me insane. I hate it. I, I get angry because I don't have my iPod there uh, relieving me of this boredom and my own thoughts. So 
Uh, I, anyway, so I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about this stuff. And unfortunately, I have been thinking about this particular podcast so much, I can't remember if I've actually done it in a past podcast in some other topic, or is this really this podcast's podcast? So anyway, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff. Um, if I repeat myself, I'm sorry. Chances are, though, I'm going to go back and see if I, I might have put it in some other one. So you might not hear it. I'll, I might just take it out. So on the idea of advice, I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking just how many jobs are advice driven. And in fact, I would say almost every job is advice driven, uh, you know, because if you have that job, you know more than some other person, right? Like, even just by doing the job, you will pick up stuff. Even if you didn't know anything before you got there, you will learn things after a while. So, for instance, I mean, like, even even the, the, the most unskilled job of taking your order at uh, Burger King or any fast food chain, there is an advice component. You know, you'll say like, oh, I want a fries and a cheeseburger and, a, and, and Coke. And they'd be like, well, you know, you can save money if you get the value meal. And they point over that value meal. Oh, value. See, boom. Advice. Saving me money. Pow. Right? And, you know, a lot of times the advice is misleading. So you have to be a little careful where it comes from. Oh, hey, you look good in those jeans. Yeah, because you want my commission. Huh? Right. I look terrible in these jeans. I look terrible in every pair of jeans. What you should have said is, you look less terrible in those jeans. Then I would have believed you. Ha! Yeah, you get my money anyway. But the, the, the dream job that I, I want is think tank. Think tank. Great job. Because all you do is advise. Right? I mean, there is... There is no other part to that job. There's nothing you make. There's nothing that can accidentally break. And what, what key is to, to the, the dream job of Think Tank is getting a Think Tank job where even if your advice goes horribly wrong, still nobody dies, right? Like advising the president on... Whether or not we should go to war with such and such a country, bah, nah, no good, no bad think tank job. I need think tank like, you know, sort of like like a lot of those economic think tank jobs, right? They're just like, eh, I think the economy is going to be better next year. And then when it's not, you go like, eh, you know how I said it was going to be better next year? This is, by, by the way, all the way all think tankers talk. They're, you know, it's, it's uh, unemployed uh the mouth breathers uh, are usually guys who are in think tanks. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking college professors, PhDs, no, mouth breathers. And it's because they've uh, gotten their nose broken. It's not because they're stupid. Oh, no, no, no. They breathe out of their mouths because they have to, not because they want to. And they feel like cosmetic surgery is for gays. So, uh, they... <laughs> They are the mouth breathers who run, and that's why they talk this way, because they've gotten their nose broken so many times. Hey, you know how I said that the economy was going to rebound next year, or la next year, and it didn't? 
Well, that's because the economic indicators overseas were unforeseen and the dip in the, in the NITSE and the FTSE uh, had ramifications upon us that, uh, you know, didn't, uh, we were unforeseen. And that, that's why uh, we are still experiencing a recession this year. See, that's what you need. Whenever you give advice, you have to have the qualifiers. You have to have the backup plan because you got to you got to keep this job, man. Once you get a good advice job, you never want to give that up uh, because it's so little work. Right. And and what you have to do, the, the ramifications of being wrong are so little that you don't want one of those high pressure jobs where it's like, man, if you screw this up, because you'll take that crap home with you and you'll agonize over it every night. And you'll be like, oh, my God, if I make the wrong decision, if I give the wrong advice, people will die. Uh, companies will go bankrupt. No, no. You need yourself a cush ass advice job. For instance, I used to work for a major retail chain. And they had a job called the fashion office. Now, the fashion office is an advice job, and it's a great advice job. Here's why. Because what they do is they go to fashion events around the country. I think they even went out of the country to other places around the world to fashion events. Then they would come back, and twice a year, because... We, we only have two seasons in California. We have green and brown. Uh, that's the color of the grass. And that's how you know the seasons have changed. It's things are alive, things are dead, done. Uh, we only have two seasons. So twice a year, they would write up their seasonal report and say, um, the, the uh, color this year is purple. And that's it. That was the entire deliverable that they had. And then so twice a year, they would say, uh, it's going to be purple. The color of the season next year is purple. And uh, hemlines are longer, shorter, whatever. And then six months from then, if it wasn't and it wasn't purple and the buyers bought a whole bunch of stuff and the purple isn't selling, then they would go, uh, well, I don't know. I went to all those fashion events. I took pictures. Look, see, every single picture, purple. And really, and, 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 oh, and this is the thing that drove me crazy too, is they would create the crappiest looking PowerPoint presentations. It was just like, you know, flat background, picture on it, big white text. It was like, wow, folks, you guys, really, that is something. You spent six months on that. And then, oh, and, and, but here's the other crazy thing is the fashion events, like when you have to travel for a job and let's say you're a trainer, Like, I wanted to be a trainer until I realized that, like, you know, most trainers travel, you know, up like 50% of their job is travel. But, of course, it's never travel to a fun place, right? It's traveling to uh, the phone bank in some, you know, flat, boring part of the country where nothing goes on and the only thing in there is the, the phone bank. And you go in and you train the phone bank people on the latest thing. You stay at some red roof inn for two nights and have frozen dinners and then you fly back home. But if you're in the fashion office, they don't hold fashion events in anywhere except fun places, places you'd want to go. New York, Chicago, L.A., Paris. And in fact, 
this is how this is how really crazy it gets is uh there was a a um, uh, a swimwear catalog that they were shooting and somebody from the fashion office said hey you know what one time a fashion stylist put on a bikini top upside down and the client threw a fit so we need somebody from the fashion office to go out there to Turks and Caicos and be with and observe you. Yeah, really? You need to observe me? Look, that broad who put the thing on upside down, she ain't here no more. And we all know it. And we're all very conscious of it. Let's be honest. You want a free trip. Just because you got this cush advice job and you need to prove like you're doing something. You need to prove like you're a rocket scientist and you can only do this job and nobody else can. And by the way, let's just talk about, you know, people thinking their job is rocket science. My my classic example are musicians, right? Like musicians really want to think that they've got some math going on behind their music, you know, oh, no, 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 you can't do this. And, and I shouldn't pick on the musicians too much. Everybody does it. Everybody treats their job as if it's rocket science. Like, you can't do it because, no, it's a creative job. You got creative ideas. You can do this too. Musicians, you know, they, they introduced note reading and, and all of that and, 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 Classical musicians, sure, I mean, you got to read music, you've got to be technically proficient, you got to do all this stuff, but jazz musicians, they don't do a whole lot of that. So how did they try to make their job look like rocket science? They introduced modes. Yeah, modes. So not too many people use these other than the jazz musicians, but basically the idea behind modes are let's make key signatures really complicated. Right? Because key signatures, the way they work are there are seven key signatures that are sharps. There's only 14, and then there's the key of C, which has no sharps and no flats. So, what the people who wanted to do modes were was they wanted to say, hey man, how can we make this more complicated? Right? So, the way key signatures work is there is the root note, the note that the key signature is named after. And to the. <laughs> Jesus. And to Western ears, uh, we like music that ends on that, that root note, that tonic note, uh, you know, whatever the key signature is. So, you know, if you're playing in the key of F, you know, and you go blah, 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 you expect it at the end to go ba bam, like bam, right on the F, right? Because uh, that's the way, you know, we've been trained to hear music. There's some Indian music and some other stuff that doesn't do that. But uh, definitely to the Western ear, we like that. And there's that old story about the, like, uh, you know, Beethoven or Mozart's or whoever's friends. They would screw with him and they would play stuff on the piano. And they would play it all the way up until the end. And then they would just walk away. And then he would just be like, ah, and then run over and just go, ba boom. And then, like, it would make him feel good. Because, like, there's this tension in the music they're building up to that if you don't resolve that man you drive you nuts because you're all tense up and you're like come on get there let's go and do it um so the way so that's that's key signatures right like you got a key signature it's got it's got either sharps or flats in it or none in the key of c and we're all expecting you to end on the name of the key signature, right? Okay, for all you non-music people, hope that makes sense. Well, the way that modes work is all the key signatures are still the same. 
There's seven with sharps. There's seven with flats. There's one in the middle. But now they want you to use a different root note. Okay, so key is C, right? No sharps, no flats. But when we end this composition, let's not end on C. Let's end on, well, now, depending on which mode we're talking about, it could be, let's end on D or E or whatever. So, and what's crazy about this and what really pisses me off is the modes are named with ridiculous, fancy Greek names. So there's Ionic and Doric and, um, oh God, I can't even remember all of them. There's some of them that are really long and hard to remember. And, and there's seven of these and it's insane. It's, it's absolute insanity. You, look, you tell me the key signature you want me to play and what you want the new tonic to be, what you want the new root note to be. That's it, man. That's all, that's all modes are. Cause if you look at any mode, They'll put the key signature in, you know, the, the little blank space on the, on, the, on the line there, you know, before the notes. And you can see like, oh, there's a one flat in there. Okay, this, this is technically normally known as the key of F, right? It's B flat. That's the one flat, right? If it had two flats, it would be B flat and E flat. All right, got it. What, what do you want me to end on? No, 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 no. Don't call it Phrygian, which is actually one of them. Don't call it Phrygian. What, nah, what do you want me to end on? Don't give me this. Don't make a rocket science. Don't try to make me look like an asshole because I didn't spend a whole ton of time uh, memorizing these in my bedroom. No, I was going out and having fun. Oh, who am I kidding? I was in my bedroom anyway. But still, I, I, didn't, I didn't spend my time memorizing these. I spent my time playing video games like any normal boy should. So, there's my advice. You know, doctors don't know everything, right? Like they think they do. They want you to think they do, but they don't. And um, I remember uh, I used to get a lot of mosquito bites and I, you know, when we'd go out and do stuff and whatnot and all the, all the doctors, oh, no, 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 don't, you know, just tough it out. Don't put any hot water on it. If you put hot water on it, it'll give you a scar and all this stuff. And uh, Alexis Perplexus, you know, he uh, he was like, yeah, man, put hot water on it. Take just the hottest water you can bear and just put it right on there. Run it under the sink, uh, you know, put it on a washcloth and apply it to the area. It, it's, 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 I, I have to say, it is fantastic. I've never had a scar because of it. I've never had any negative repercussions because of it. And when you're at work... And, you know, you can't be scratching yourself like you've got, you know, scabies or something every damn minute. you got to get that thing under control. Now, I have also, I have found that there are afterbite pens and things like that. And those work okay. But, uh, boy, I tell you, man, applying hot water to the bug bite, nothing, nothing better for making the itchies go away for, and I'm talking about for hours. I think in an eight-hour day, I think I would have to do it twice. So, hey, there's another Free piece of advice. So let's talk about you, the advice giver. You will go forth in the world and tell people your thoughts about all sorts of things. The key, especially when you're recommending things to other people, be conscious of who you're talking to, right? Like you're talking to somebody and you might like, um, hmm, what's a good one? Oh, Sin City or Shoot 'em Up. And you're saying this to your friend who doesn't like bloody movies, who doesn't like horror movies, who doesn't like all this stuff that you love, 
be conscious of that, right? Like, I, all the time, I hear people say, oh, well, you should get this, and you should get that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. I know you love it. I don't like horror movies. I don't like disaster movies. I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna like it. There are just genres that people don't dig, and you gotta be conscious of that and who you're talking to. On the flip side, you know, look at, I, all, I think all movie reviews should be completely opinion-free in the sense that no movie review should be, this movie sucked, this movie was good. It should all be, if you like this, this other thing that I that is new and is out is just like it. There are a lot of people, and again, I don't understand these people, there are a lot of people who go to movies and who say, oh, I just want to turn off my brain. I just want to see some dumb comedy or whatever. Great. Then, if you liked uh, Dumb and Dumber, then you will like this other stupid thing that came out. Because there is a market for all of these films. You just have to tell people, this is what you're going to expect. If that's what you want to expect, then spend your money on that. And and that's the thing I think that messes me up. And I get, you know, I get grief from this uh, occasionally, is that my expectation colors the experience. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should let it go, but like, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Nope. Let's do the other one. Muriel's Wedding. Muriel's Wedding is, is the classic example I give of just completely misled, right? Like, all the trailers uh, are fun, rom-com, it, it, girl power adventure. No. No, it's not. It, it's, it's this woman who is a scam artist who scams her family out of a ton of money, and uh, she moves to some other city in Australia and has this whole life, and then her friend gets spinal cancer, and, and it's just like, well, wait a minute, where was the fun adventure? Now, maybe that movie was good, maybe it wasn't, but it wasn't what I was expecting, and I had an expectation that was totally different. So, uh, I, the other thing about the advice is let people know what they're in for, right? Like um, Children of Men. Ah, oh, Children of Men is uh, – is it Children of Men or Children of God? No, it's Children of Men. Uh, Children of Men is a uh, post-dystopia future movie, uh, but not heavy on the sci-fi. But it is it is depressing. It is a heavy, heavy movie, but really good. Like I don't watch. It's, I wouldn't even say it's depressing, but it is heavy. Like this vision of the future is not a very positive one. And I would totally recommend people. You got to see Children of Men. Really good movie. But you have to be in the right mind frame. You have to be ready for yeah, post dystopian movie. Let's do it explosions, but not in a fun, action-y way, more of like a terrorist kind of way movie, right? And if that's not your bag, e even if it is your bag, you got to be in the right headspace in order to appreciate that movie. So there's another piece of advice for you. Go see Children of Men if you haven't. Well, that's all the time we have for this podcast. The next podcast is actually going to be coming up a lot sooner than this one did, uh, you know, because of the whole New Zealand trip, and then I was working on this other thing, and it was eating up all my computer time and all this stuff. So next time, we're going to be talking all about our, our trip to New Zealand, uh, what is weird about that place, and how to make life easier, why life isn't easier, and even things I'm doing myself to make it more difficult. But 
from the music of Bright Brown from myself and Tyler Durden. Let's do this one more time. Till then! Till then!